block. Here come the Aces on the run. The Energizer looks for Taya. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show, show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Jesse Blake. Jesse Blake. The Energizer. What a three from half court. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? T.C. Martin. There are six seconds to go. And the Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three. To give the aces the lead. The doctor is now in. In, in, in. <laughs> Again, Wednesday to you. Drum yeah, roll like double. Drum roll double. Off the wall. Over the wall. It, it's lost in the, in the ivy here. <laughs> <laughs> We're throwing objects here today. We remember when One. he says we, it's usually him. Me, I. <laughs> That's it. My pen got stuck in the ivy is what Ballpark Frank is referring to. Likes to throw his pen up in the air and show how savvy he is with the way that he catches it. Savvy. Frequently, he creates errors on it. So, <laughs> Frequently. Frequently. You know, my my percentage is like Marc-Andre Fleury's save percentage, okay? And it's or it's hard. like uh, Carlos Correa's fielding percentage. Oh, yeah. It's 900 plus. You're throwing a pen in the air and you're catching it with your hand. Your percentage should be like 100%. Wow. This isn't your your Rudy Poo, you know, little, you know, one toss. I mean, it's up to the ceiling. Now, come on, man. Jeez, see how you are? Welcome aboard on this Wednesday. Glad to have you here. And uh, playoff talk today. Plenty of playoff talk. You like hockey playoff talk? We got it. We got NBA playoff talk. We've got that for you. B.J. Armstrong will join us, the former three-time champ with the Bulls, the announcer, the executive, the agent. B.J. covers it all, so he will join us a little later on in this hour. Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity. He will join a little bit later, like we said. and we got uh, everything to talk about uh, with him from the gaming side as well, too. So, And you're not upset today about any soccer games or anything like that, so you're just ready to roll. Mm-hmm. You got to announce the Aces' victory last night. Yes. Uh, Kelsey Plum, I believe, was one of the big stars, scoring uh, leading the team in points. Yes, a career high of 32 points, Kelsey Plum, and just left talking with Kelsey Plum, getting ready for tomorrow's game. So here we go, you know, day off, uh, Aces practice, and got a chance to sit and chat with her about her career high, and... Uh, she'll be the guest on tomorrow's pregame show, so make sure you get a chance to listen to that along with Bill Lambier. And it was really cool today going to the Mandalay Bay because I felt like I was back in 2019 because they brought all of the stands down, the chairs are on the floor, we're back, baby, officially back. The attendance is opened up now. and Fully open? Uh, not fully, but the arena is back to the way it looked before with everything. And uh, so they made the announcement last night that, um, because as you know, it's been 2,000 fans, just season ticket holders only, but they are now uh, opening tickets up to the public starting today. So if you want to go see the Aces tomorrow night against the New York Liberty, there are tickets available. Uh, Don't have the exact word on what the cap is going to be, but, uh, you know, just being there today, it, it just had that feel like, wow, you know, we're definitely back. Because it was definitely a different setup. It was weird with no, you know, floor seating. And when you look at the stands, it basically started at row M, <laughs> you know. And, and, so, and, and at least they didn't do the cheesy cardboard cutout stuff and that sort no, of thing. Yeah. No, you know, so, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Now, what is the parking over there? So, the parking is if you are a local resident, you get up to three hours free. So that's that, that'll encompass a game. So you're good. You know, get there a half hour before. Game is two hours normally. Uh, you know, give you a chance. So even you know, if the game goes two and a half hours and o- overtime, you're going to be fine. So three hours for local residents, real easy. You just do your ticket, and then you uh, scan uh, your ID, and th- th- you're good to go. And tomorrow you want to get there early. Yes, because there is a special singer. Oh, do tell. Yes. Yes. You can go ahead and tell. You brought it up. 
Well, your lovely daughter will be singing the national anthem tomorrow before the Aces game. She will. She will be doing it, and uh, very excited uh, about that. And again, it, it coincides kind of with you know more people being let in the building, kind of a, a regular uh, setting and surrounding. So, uh, yeah, she's looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, now, are you going to finagle the commercials around tomorrow so that you can actually air that? It's funny you say that because I was talking to Jazzy Jeff and, and Ari about that. We were, we were talking about that. And I, th- I think the answer is yes with that. I mean, yeah. you might as well. Might as well, right? Play yeah, the yeah, national sure. anthem, right? I mean, hey. Plays well on radio. It, it certainly does. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't play well, then you're in the wrong country. There you go. Very nice, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we will air the, the anthem tomorrow. Gonna have, I mean, to have to time it all out properly, you know, which which I do every game to try to time out, you know, when it is at the anthem because you don't want to be talking during the anthem. And it's funny you bring this up because last night they added a, a, a little bit of a twist. So being Juneteenth and Juneteenth now – being, a, I guess, like an official holiday. Yeah, they're going to make it a national holiday. They, they, the government right. officially made that. So so they had a, a special a black national anthem as well last night that they played. So they played the our national anthem, and they played another national anthem or another song, however you want to say it. And I had to factor that into that as well, too, because you don't want to be like giving your game preview or doing the interview during the course of any of the anthems. You're lucky it's not a Canadian team they're playing. Or you'd really have been exactly up a creek, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah, you got to you got to factor that in when you're you're planning your your pregame right. festivities. I mean, you are the, show. you are the conductor of the orchestra, so you should mm. be able to conduct and you know just yeah. you know take the break. I mean, the anthems are quick. It's like a minute and a half. Minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Jules is a lot like. Like Golden Pipes. I mean, she's got it down to, it doesn't vary much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because she doesn't go over the top. Uh, just, she doesn't try to draw it out and make it last as long as possible. Exactly. Right, right. So, yeah. If, uh, if you have a high number uh, and you want a bet on, on uh, Juliana Martin singing the anthem, you bet the under. Plain and simple. Kind of like with, with, with Carnell Johnson and Golden Pipes. Like he said the other day when we were on last Friday, that he has it, did he say, between two and three seconds every time, right? Yeah, I think he said it's like a minute 34 or something like that that he does. Yeah, so. and he, it can vary like from 132, yeah, from 132 to, to 136. Yeah, right. It's kind of like the, the, the three-degree challenge from the weather before <laughs> before Brian comes on with the sports news all the time. Right. $100 goes to some charity every yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. Very did, worthwhile cause. Did you happen to see that at all last night when, when the B-Sal came down? Uh, to visit me, and we did a live shot. I don't know if you guys happened to watch that last night on Channel I, I did not actually okay. catch it because I was watching some hockey and some okay. other stuff. So. No, no one's offended. It's okay. But uh, I know Numchuck was watching it because immediately he sent me uh, the, the text and said, where's your flower? Because, of course, Vista had the powder blue suit and the flower. And the reason why I bring this up is because he wanted me to throw it back to the studio and I kind of blew that a little bit because he had said to me before we went on, he said, okay, um, you know, we're going to do about a minute and a half. He goes, and then uh, we'll be going from Jesse uh, to us because Jesse's over at Raiders practice and Jesse Merrick is, is doing the story. And, and they're practicing very early trying to beat the heat of the day, like right. 7 a.m. I right, believe they right, start. Right, 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 right. So what I didn't realize in this, that that was recorded and Jesse actually wasn't back in the studio. But again, when he said that, I'm thinking, okay, Jesse is anchoring, throwing it to B-Sal live at the Mandalay Bay, right? But what it was, was B-Sal was anchoring from the Mandalay Bay up uh, where, where I'm doing the broadcast. And you asked if he can come by, set up, and do it. Okay, that's great. So I had no idea that it was the news crew that was you know, back in the studio. Ah. So he says, hey, throw it back. So he told me about Jesse. So I said... Hey, I go, you know, whatever I said, I said, you know, here with B-Style Live at the Mandalay Bay, back to you, Jesse Merrick in the studio. And everybody's going like, Where, where's Jesse at? So then the news guys had fun, but then they said, he called him B-Style. B-Style, wow, we, we have a new nickname for you and this and that. And I go, oh, Jesse's not there? I guess we're going to have to take two. Oh, can we do that? This is live television. So then I went on and just said, hey, take two. Back to you, news three. And then I started going crazy. And, and, and B-Sal is, is laughing. They're all back in the studio. They're laughing. And uh, alarms have, have been set off here. That's, that's good. Okay. So, you you so, said you're going crazy, and all of a sudden people started yeah, honking their horns. Yeah. Like, it's a short drive, dude. So, so the weather guy... 
who's now coming on afterwards, he continued the story because they're all cracking up that here's this wild, crazy man who didn't even have the guy right back in the studio, but now I'm throwing it back to them and, you know, being crazy, man. So they're wondering who B-Sale is, and they're looking for Jesse. Where's Jesse? Exactly. It's it's the 2021 version of Where's Waldo. It's now Where's Jesse. Right, 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 right. (laughs) So then the weatherman, as he starts to give his weather, you know, which you reminded me of this. Not the hippy-dippy weatherman, the actual Channel 3 weatherman. Yeah, right, right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about B-Sale. Okay, listen to that. So now B-Sale is... uh, He's got a moniker. I guess. Have a feeling next time he's in the studio, he might be here in B cell. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of. Actually, I think he posted that to like my social media and stuff. So if you want to see that interview, you can. He, he posted it up late last night. Well, then you got to just flip it over and post it on tcmartinshow.com. We should do that, huh? I mean, that's yeah. the easy. They don't. You don't have to send them to his post. Put them on yours. Huh. Well, I'm just saying they could go to my social media because right. he posted it right. on my social media as well. It'll so be up on tcmartinshow.com. We'll oh, make sure that Noam Chuck takes care of yeah, it, yeah. or you do, or somebody. Yeah, yeah. So somebody other that's than a lot, Fra- that's a lot of work. Somebody other than Frank will take care yeah. of it. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have, have time. You know? I'm, I'm an old dog, and I'm not looking for new tricks. You're not. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah, Aces victorious last night. Uh, they get the victory over the New York Liberty 100-78. to You mentioned Kelsey Plum, 32 points, a career high. And people got to remember that, and, you know, we've talked about this when we've had her on the show. You know, Kelsey Plum was the leading scorer in all of college basketball history when she was at the University of Washington, scoring over 3,000 points when she was there. And she came in as a number one overall pick. By the Aces before they relocated to Las Vegas. So, got to remember that you know the Aces have wait, wait, three number one overall picks. On and and this team. whole season, they're reliving all their their yes. former places and all that, yes. and bringing in players and that too. Yes. I've noticed. So, so we were having some fun with that. You know, like, hey, Plum. You know, it's like because I guess somebody in the post game press conference last night said something about you know, hey, career high, and you know, I think she kind of like was taken aback. She goes, well, you know, this really isn't nothing new for me and yeah. good for her. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I, I was drafted to this team to score. Right. That's that's kind of the role that I was originally brought here for. Right. And to be fair, I mean, she's had injuries. She did not actually know her role. Her and Bill Lambier, I don't want to use the word clash, but you know, they, they clashed a little bit knowing, okay, is Kelsey Plum going to be a shooting guard? Is she going to be a point guard? Is she going to be a starter? Is she going to be off the bench? And she's done all of the above. But then, you know, when she had the injury and then she took time off to qualify for the three-on-three U.S. Olympic team in Tokyo, you know, so Lambeer said, hey, we're going to bring her off the bench. I love the energy that Hamby brings off the bench. Now let's do that with Plum. And now you're seeing Plum just, I mean, it's like racehorse basketball when her and Hamby are on the, on the floor together, you know, when they come in. So Lambeer and I, we talked about that today, too. And he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, it's, it's a major advantage, you know, that we have. And New York likes to run and gun and do, you know, just nothing but threes. And that just opens up the Aces game. Yeah, they so, certainly did that early on in the game yesterday. Right, I right. mean, they were shooting threes all over the place. And that, they do that all the game. I mean, that's yeah. what they shot over 20 threes. So in Plum, it fit perfect to her style last night as she had 32 points and <laughs> she did it all. Rebounds, assists. So, yeah, I was very happy for her. But again, yeah, this is who she is. I mean, when you watch these players play and you know we go back to the the conversation that we have with fans sometimes and other media members who maybe not don't watch the WNBA you sit there and you watch them either in warm-ups or like today I'll use it an example with practice and watching Plum work like after practice or these players shoot afterwards I think Plum hit like 12 threes in a row and then she missed one or two and then she hit like another eight in a row Jisoo Parker hardly ever gets off the bench she hit seven in a row. I mean, the skill level and the way these guys play, these the way these women play, it, it is just phenomenal. And you wonder why, okay, there's only 144 women in the WNBA, and that's the top 144 in the entire world. It takes a lot to make this roster. And for players that don't even play very much like a Jisoo Park or a Destiny Slocum, a rookie out of Arkansas, you just watch them, their work ethic and the way they shoot – and it's phenomenal. And you wouldn't think of Jisoo Park, who's like six foot six, being a shooter. She can shoot. It's just amazing. But uh, again, you know, just it, it, the talent level uh, for people that don't realize 
that these women have the WNBA. It's, it is phenomenal. Well, and a lot of times, what a, lot, what a lot of people don't think of is just because somebody's coming off a bench or something for one team doesn't mean that they wouldn't be a starter or even a star on another team. A lot of it has to do with just the situation you're, you're in, where you land. Like you mentioned with somebody like Kelsey Plum. And, you know, maybe her and Bill Lambert had different ideas or a different vision of where her role was going to be. Lambert's like, hey, we have Asia Wilson, we have Liz Cambage, we have some superstars on this team. You're not going to be the main focal point like you were in college and other things. And that's an adjustment for players, you know. And, like, you know, that's why she was probably taken aback when the, the, when the media member was like, oh, career high in points on that. And she was, you know, kind of like... If you knew anything about me, you'd actually know that is what I do. But you see it in the NBA all the time. You know, I mean, some people that, you know, were scorers in college have to completely learn their role. Or when we have on B.J. Armstrong, B.J. Armstrong was a superstar in college. That wasn't going to be his role coming and playing with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and the rest of that crew. Right. But if you can find your role and fit in on a successful team, you can have a really good, long, successful career. And like BJ, take it into management and other things and other aspects of it. But if you're hell-bent on, I'm a star and I'm always going to be a star, you're probably going to be a fading star that's or a shooting star that's out of the league very soon or certainly not have the career that you envisioned for yourself. Yeah. You have to find a way to adjust if you're Michael Jordan, you don't have to. They adjust to you. If you're the other guys, eh, it's, it's not that easy. Stars in college are unemployed guys in the NBA. And that is a situation that the Aces have right now. I mean, everyone you talk to. You talk to Liz Cambage, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Dierka Hamby. I mean, Hamby would be starting on any other team in the WNBA. Plum would be starting on any other team in the WNBA. And... Were they taken aback by, okay, you're going to be, you know, Hamby's a perfect example. I mean, she was a, you know, all-conference player in the ACC when she went to Wake Forest. And she comes to do the WNBA, and she was a starter. But now, you know, she comes to the Aces, and Beer says, hey, like you said, we got Wilson, we've got Cam Beige, we've got these other pieces. You're going to have to come off the bench. And, yeah, it was uncomfortable. It hurts your ego a little bit. But, you know. She's showing why she's the sixth woman of the year, back-to-back years. But you talk to all of these players in the Aces, and they realize, okay, we need to give for the greater good here. Legitimately, they have the deepest and the strongest roster in the WNBA. And that is saying a lot for a team that really didn't have any winning seasons for the most part, when they were in San Antonio. And they come here, and they get Asia Wilson, the number one overall pick, and they struggled a little bit in year number one, but they've gotten you know, better and better and better. And now the Golden Knights are kind of in that same situation as well, too. You look at the Golden Knights roster right now, you can make the argument that they've got the best roster in the National Hockey League. And, you know, they probably should have been the number one seed. They were the number two. But, you know, they got rid of Colorado, so you erase that. And right now, as they sit, they're the favorites. But why are they the favorites? Because they're all giving away a little bit. And they're, they find their role. They have tremendous chemistry. So when I look at the Aces and I look at the Golden Knights, I see at this point in time as we sit right now, two teams that are kind of mere images of each other. They've built their, their teams and their franchises the exact same way, You know, getting a key piece in from free agency, drafting well, developing their own talent. And when you look at the Aces and you look at the Golden Knights, and, and we said before, joked, whatever you want to say, Hey, you know, which one of the one of these two teams is going to be the first to have a parade here in Vegas? And actually, could be both of them in the same season. Yeah, it basically could happen. It, it, well, it, it could depend on whose season ends sooner, and that right. would be the Golden Knights season. Yeah. Obviously, but I'm saying you know but, for but the yeah, same oh, calendar. Yeah. No, 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 no. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. So, and again, when you talk about that, not only finding your role necessarily, but sometimes finding a way to then thrive in that role. Like you talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, and you look at the Golden Misfit line with. Marshall, Carlson, and Smith. Okay, they were everything to this city in season one. Then you bring in Stone, Pacioretty, Stevenson, and all of a sudden, guess what? You're not the number one line anymore. Did they hang their heads about it? Did they pout about it? Did they go, wow, everybody on this on the other line is uh, not only are they the number one line now, but they all make more money than us too. No, they've used that as an opportunity and said, hey, if they're the number one, then the other team's number one checking line is against them. We have an opportunity to really flourish, and that's what they're doing in this playoff now. They haven't reinvented themselves. They've just gone back with that chip on their shoulder. They're making it work. Thomas Nosik was in practice today, a very limited practice, about eight players or so out there. 
What was he doing? He looks sensational. Have you heard any talk about him playing tonight? No, because as valuable as he is, you're not messing up the chemistry right now. He's not going to be in that lineup. Patrick Brown has played well. Vegas has one of the most unique situations with the Golden Knights right now that I can maybe ever remember in hockey in the playoffs at this time of year. Instead of trying to figure out how they're going to make up for somebody injured, they're getting healthier now in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They might be the healthiest they've been all season long. Pete DeBoer's biggest challenge right now is who the hell he's playing. At least he doesn't have to worry about that in net right now because that's finally been solved. But the other things is who is playing night in and night out? You don't have to change anything, but if you want to, if you want to have a Nick Holden sit out to get Hague another game in, you have the luxury you can do that. If you want to put Brown in and let Colasar Reeves out, you can do Right now he has pieces, and when somebody gets an opportunity, they're going, hey, I might not be here in the next game. They go out there with a fire and a fury to try to make things happen. Vegas right now in the semifinals of the playoffs when everybody, the old adage, you know it in sports, well, everybody's banged up at this time of year. The Golden Knights aren't. Yeah, they're fresh. When have you ever seen that in the Stanley Cup playoffs at this point of the season? Yeah, and to that point, you look at a guy like Ryan Reeves who was a healthy scratch, you know, in that last series against Colorado, and, and this guy has limited ice time. But if he was with another team... He'd probably play a heck of a lot more. And, you know, we don't, we don't even really talk about Ryan Reeves at this point right now. We don't because of the depth that the Golden Knights have and other people that can, you know, get the job done, you know, instead of him. You know, he's an enforcer. He's, you know, but he's a great hockey player as well, too. But we're not talking about him as much because, I mean, we got with three defensemen that scored goals. You know, last game. Well, I yeah, mean, everybody sure. is scoring. And, and Petrangelo is healthy now yeah. for the first time. It looks like he's really come to fire at the best time of the year. And by the, a guy like Alex Tuck, as young and big and strong and powerful as he is with the speed and everything else, how many teams would he be a top six player on? Probably most. Yeah. It's not really even in the conversation on this club. Mm-hmm. The only way he's on a top six player right now is if somebody gets hurt, which nobody wants to ever see happen. But is, is Tuck hanging his head about it? He's going, hell no. I'm flourishing on the third line. I have an opportunity because the top two checking lines are now taken out. He comes on the ice and the team looks and they go, the other team, and they're like, now we got to stop this guy too? But they just keep coming and coming and coming at you. The depth on the Vegas Golden Knights, let's be honest, that's why they beat Colorado four straight, and they outplayed him in the last five in this series. Right. In bringing that back to the Aces, and again, in the correlation to the Golden Knights, the depth that we're talking about here, you know, Asia Wilson, the MVP. The Knights won, the Knights, the Aces won by 22 points last night. And Asia Wilson had 10 points. That's it. She had, she had 10 points, and, and she really wasn't a factor. And she's got this scoring streak going, this double-figure scoring streak, where she's scored in double figures 42 consecutive games. She's played 93 games in her pro career, all with the Aces. 90 of those 93, she scored in double figures. So there were some people, and there was a little buzz last night. Like, is Asia going to get double digits or not? What's going on? They didn't need her to, and she was totally fine with that. Liz Cambage had only 14 points last night. Plum had 32. So like the Golden Knights, the Aces, they're built the same way. There is a lot of depth. There's great chemistry, and... The players really don't care. When you talk to them one-on-one, they don't care who gets it done because the ultimate goal is to win a championship and get a ring, and you'd rather have that ring instead of being a star on a non-playoff team or a team that's not very good or a team that really doesn't have much chemistry. So uh, this this is going to be fun. I mean, the next couple weeks are going to be really fun with the Golden Knights because right now we view them as the favorite, and we talked about this yesterday, how this is kind of cool. It's reminiscent of the, the, the 2017-18 season, but like you said yesterday, no one really expected them to advance round after round, and then when they got to the Stanley Cup Finals, like, well, we know they're not going to beat Washington, and they didn't. You know, they, they lost in five games, but this year there are those expectations. With the Aces, there are now those expectations, and I would say myself, even months ago, like, don't make them the favorite. This team still has a ways to go. But the way they are playing now, the way they're developing, they've now won nine out of their last 11 games, uh, seven out of their last eight, four in a row. They're nine and three. Yeah, this team looks to be 
I'm not going to say the best team in the WNBA, but the top one or two, maybe even three. They have the big P, potential. Yeah, they do. Potential is the biggest word in yeah. sports. And, and again, remember this too. When you have a team that is now playing in Vegas, since we have Major League Professional Sports out here, the line's going to be skewed a little bit too. If they're co-favorites with somebody else, they're going to be the favorite. We hear Chuck Esposito, Nick Bogdanovich, all, all the sportsbook directors all over town. What do they say? Well, from a business standpoint, we're kind of rooting against them. But we all want them to win in that because it's Vegas, so it's good for the city. Just like they rooted for UNLV back in the Tarkanian days. I mean, that was actually kind of a loss for them because they had to take games and regions and that off the board because UNLV was playing in it way back in the archaic days for people that weren't out here then that don't realize you couldn't bet on college right. basketball if UNLV or Reno was participating in Correct. it. Now, even though it might cost them a little bit at the window, they still want what's best for the city. Right. And that's a different thing. And in this town, people are going to bet. That's why when you look sometimes at the lines of a game or a series, if the Golden Knights or the Aces and probably the Raiders, if they get good again and be, look like they're a playoff team, you might see that skewed a little bit more in Vegas than you do on the offshores or in other books in that because obviously the home folks are going to they want some home cooking. They're going to yeah. get behind their team. Right, exactly. And just an example, again, we're talking about uh, lines, the Golden Knights. We saw how that game went off at minus 280. We see the season, uh, the, rather the series, at minus 500. Now it's even steeper because they won convincingly in game number one. Another big line tonight, uh, minus 260. A lot of people figure, hey, the Golden Knights are probably going to win. Like Scott Spritzer said, he goes, hey, you know, if you, if you really believe that, that they are, are, are going to win and you're going to lay 300 in a, you know, like me, I have no problem laying 300 in a boxing match. You know, not so much UFC because that's not my forte, but like Scott used the UFC yesterday. If you think they're going to win, then go ahead and and lay it. You know, you mentioned the puck line yesterday, basically even money or plus 105. Feel that that's going to happen, especially if Montreal is going to pull uh, their their goalie, then yeah, give it a shot. Same thing with the Aces last night. That line opened nine. It closed at 14 last night. (laughs) <laughs> because people just bet the aces and bet the aces and bet the aces. Now, Nescu, their star, and Natasha Howard weren't going to play for the Liberty, so that word got out there. But still, you know, it's 14, and they covered. They won by 22. So, yeah, people love to bet the home team, go to the games, and root it. And tonight, uh, I'm sure that line with the Golden Knights is going to continue to crawl up as well. Too. And again, you didn't mention this part of it. Remember, too, it's probably different, too, as far as the lineman goes, whether they are home or away. Because yep. remember, when they're home, that crowd that's coming in there, and now if they open it up and there's going to be a lot more people going in there, a lot of those people are swinging by the sports book before the game oh, yes. to make their wager. Yeah. You know, Now, we always talk about get the app and do that kind of stuff, and yeah, but a lot of people still don't have that, or they like that feeling of going to the sports book and see what the current line is. So if it's a home game, you know, if they're on the road, well, you're not driving to the sports book when you're watching it in your living room. But if you're going to the game, hey, let's some, put a some people do. Oh, some people do. <laughs> yeah. But again, but but a lot of people yeah. are gonna they're gonna bet it when they're at the game because it makes it even more exciting. People want action on what they're watching, and some people just want action on anything that's going on, and that's why they have their laptops open all the time. Right. <laughs> Which we'll see tonight, right? Up in the press room. I would imagine you. Yes. When we come back, B.J. Armstrong is going to join us. We talked to B.J. about the NFL playoffs. What a display last night by Kevin Durant. We've got that and more injury news. Some big-time injury news for tonight's game. We'll hit that. T.C. Martin Show on this Wednesday. This is boxing referee Kenny Bayless. And what I say, you must obey. So be sure to catch up with the broadcast at tcmartinshow.com. Wednesday, getting ready for the Golden Knights taking on the Montreal Canadiens. Six o'clock, the face-off time at T-Mobile Arena. Got yourself a ticket. Enjoy tonight. Yes. How does that feel when you're outside and you know it's like 115, 116, and then you're going into the fortress, which is cold. I don't know about you. I mean, I still see some people going in there wearing shorts or T-shirts or tank tops. See, I can't go to a hockey game like that. But this does mess me up because 
it's so hot, I've got to do the costume change before I go in there. So like you, you you're ready today to go today. You can just go in. See, I, I, I can't do that. I gotta be summertime and then get ready for wintertime when I go in the building. Yeah. Well, I probably don't change as quickly as you. I'm not into a nearby <laughs> phone booth and you know, out comes Superman or something like that. But um but no, I mean it's, it's and, and again, maybe I'm more accustomed to it. Because of all the years I worked in kitchens, where I because oh. I always worked on the broiler, so I was always literally working over a broiler and fire, and then you have to go in the walk-in or the freezer to get stuff. So, you know, I mean, to me, it just almost seems like this has been a good part of my life. I was a cook for 17 years, yeah. and I literally did that every single night on my job. It, it is funny to see people to walk in the building, and they're carrying, like, say, some sweatpants or a Vegas Golden Knights sweater or a jacket or, or a sweatshirt or something like that when it's like, hey, it's, it's, it's 115 right now. And that is, that is kind of funny. But, and again, I'm waiting for us to have some issues with the ice. And you mentioned that the other day. We haven't seen it yet, but we definitely saw it going back to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2018 with Washington. I mean, that was pretty prevalent. And it's kind of interesting, too, because I saw something the other day where when they pull the players around the league, the two best ice, ice surfaces in the NHL, according to players, are here in Vegas mm-hmm. and in Montreal. So, so it looks like maybe ice isn't an issue that even though it's hot out here and that, but, but because of the no humidity and things like that, whatever, they've got the formula that seems to work pretty well here. But again, it also is more of a challenge now, now with a full arena, a little bit different keeping that ice in pristine yeah. you know, shape when it's... You know, 2,000 fans as opposed to 18,000. I think a lot of that has to do with you have two very nice arenas as well, too. Now, obviously, T-Mobile is newer. State-of-the-art. Yeah, it is, but yeah. totally state-of-the-art. And, again, they, they've got that thing dialed in, you know, much different than, say, like the old Boston Garden. Remember, we used to see, you know, NBA playoff games, you know, in June. And it's like, you know, wait a minute. You know, this it's sweltering hot in there. And then same thing with the Boston Bruins when they would play. Or remember when the Celtics and the Bruins would play together or even go back to the old Chicago Stadium as well, too, when you've got, you know, summertime and you've got, okay, ice, and, and then you, you put the wood on top of that. So, yeah. Yeah, remember a couple of hockey games that were the fog games in that, when you literally see the fog coming off the ice and that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, ice in Vegas before the Golden Knights came here was just something you put in drinks. Yeah, that's true. All right, playoffs here tonight. Golden Knights and the Canadians. Playoffs on the hardwood NBA. We'll be watching all of that tonight, and let's bring in our guy, the three-time champ himself, Mr. B.J. Armstrong. What's going on, B.J.? Oh, man, I can't complain, man. Where's my music? Where's my music? Okay. I, I, I look forward to that music. Now, let me tell you something. Let me, the backstory here is, so we came out of the break with your music, and, and B.J. wasn't there for some reason. I guess Numbchuck oh, said, man. yeah, so here's oh. it. You missed your cue, brother. But then when he says to me, he goes, hey, should, we, should I play B.J.'s music again? I go, no, because we're in the middle. I mean, we didn't do the rejoiner. But you know what? That's out the window. It's hit. It's hit. It's lit. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen. There we go. There we go. There we go. I look forward to this. And and now I'm going to give you a wrestling introduction now. Now making his way down the aisle. Hailing from parts unknown, weight unknown, the three-time NBA champion, B.J. Armstrong! <laughs> Pop up okay, the jam! Now, 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 now things seem okay and all right in the world, so I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yes, my man. You got your theme song, no doubt. <laughs> man, hey, so you heard us talking right there about the, you know, playing in the summer in the old arenas, sweltering hot, dealing with the hockey teams, right? You got, you got any stories for us about that? Well, you know, back in the, in, in the days, you're talking about the old arenas, um, you know, you know, there weren't, like, air conditioning or anything in, the, in those arenas back then, right? That's and, true. Um, so, I mean, what I remember most about playing in, in those older arenas, like this old Chicago Stadium, for instance, where I played for many years in Chicago, is that in the springtime, the, the condensation from the ice would come up through the floor. So, you know, there always be like little, you know, like little wet spots or, you know, slippery spots because of the condensation that was coming up through the, uh, through the you know, through the floor, you know, from the ice. So, um, you know, the, the arenas back then, the arenas today, without question, they're, 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 the floors and, and the, uh, the locker rooms and all those things are much 
they're far superior. I remember playing in the old Boston Garden. I mean, that place was it looked great on television, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't as accommodating as you would have liked, especially for the visiting team. So, but those were those, all those buildings had great character. They were fun. Uh, the fans. It seems like a more intimate setting back then than there there are now. You know, some of those arenas came about uh, at the end of my career. So, um, but you know, I get it. It's the business suites. You know, the, the hospitality for the fan. I think the fan experience is, is far greater than it was, let's say, 20, 25 years ago. You know, BJ, you mentioned the old Chicago Stadium, and I used to go there quite a bit. And I remember on occasion, sometimes on the weekends or so, they would have a basketball and a hockey game on the same day. They would have a double headers. Do you remember, was was, the, was it worse with the wet spots and the seeping through the wood if, if the Blackhawks played first or second or whatever? Was it worse after the hockey game? Was it better to have the basketball game first or second, or was it just kind of a nightmare either way? Well, you know, I just remember in the springtime when it was starting to warm up, right? You know, so during the, the you know, the winter months, because, you know, it's, you know for the, it seems like it's always cold in Chicago, especially during basketball season. Um, but it, I only re- really remember it when, you know, those warm, hot days where, you know, in, in the springtime, which was great because that meant that we were still playing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at that stage, it really didn't matter. It wasn't good or bad. Everybody had to deal with it, and it was kind of, like, you just kind of knew that, right? That that was in every arena at that particular time. So it was really no big deal to us. And uh, I, probably because we didn't we didn't know any better. <laughs> so it wasn't like we could compare it to anything and, and else. And you didn't so have a choice. Of, you had no choice whatsoever. Yeah, you you choice, bitch so. and complain about it too so, bad. You know, you know? Yeah, yeah, the coaches say, just don't run your offense on that side of the court. So right. we're like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Worst NBA locker room when you played, facility-wise. The worst. Um, I, I would probably say the Boston Garden. Yeah. They, I, I just remember they had this heater that was in there, and for some reason it was always broke, and they couldn't turn it off. So it would be like 100 degrees in the well, locker Well, that's what they told you. Then, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's that what was, they told us. Yeah, that was probably a part of the plan for them. Yeah, and then if you won – the, there was never any hot water in the shower, so <laughs> it was it was always in the Boston Garden. But I, I can tell you, it was it, I, it was a it was really fun to play in the Boston Garden because of the the fans. They seemed like they were right on top of you, right in the old Boston Garden. And I can still remember that Dunkin' Donut sign on the on the scoreboard up there, and uh, and the floor itself was not good, right? They were like. You know, they would put the floor together, right? But it wasn't put together very well. So there were, like, <laughs> gaps in the floor. The ball wouldn't bounce yeah. in certain points. And I remember they would always tell the guards, make sure you know where the ball bounces because there yeah. were dead spots. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, it's like a jigsaw yeah, puzzle, the way they would put the parquet together and everything. Yeah, it's it a literally like, a yeah, puzzle. They, they, yeah. Yeah, so they had a home court advantage. And it all started with the locker room. It wasn't. I can tell you this, you weren't going to get comfortable there, that's for sure, <laughs> in the locker room, in the Boston Garden. But, you know what, so be it. It was, you know, one of those things that you just had to deal with. But uh, it, it, it wasn't the most accommodating facility in the NBA. You sure. know, ba- back in those days, I mean, seriously, that's what home court advantage was. People think about the crowd and everything, but there's more to it. Those little nuances, that creates a big-time home court advantage. Most of these arenas, especially now, I mean, they're all, you know, carbon copies of each other. They're cookie cutters. They're, they're all pretty much the same. You know, the the same manufacturer ma- manufactures all the wooden floors. Everything is, is the same. The locker rooms are the same. They're all pretty pristine. So, yeah, back in those days, you had those nuances and probably – you know, baseball is still that only sport that kind of has its little, you know, specialties for each little ballpark, you know. Where now, with the NBA and I think the NHL, these, you know, it, and maybe college is still kind of is a throwback because you have some old college buildings. But for the most part, NBA, man, they're all the same. Yeah, you know, I think they have a formula. And, and, and certainly when you have these arenas being built like they are, you know, they they utilize them for recruiting purposes. And, you know, let's face it, these buildings are being, uh, they're in service throughout the course of the year, not just for those 41 games for these NBA games, but you have, you know, whether it's 
you know, concerts and the escapades and ice capades <laughs> and all the other activities that are going on, right, in those arenas. So those buildings are being built with the, their multi, multi-purpose facilities, and I understand that's the business of it. And, um, you know, you utilize those buildings to get as many dates as you can during the course of, uh, of a year. All right, B.J. Armstrong joins us, the former champion. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw last night, man. The Brooklyn Nets, they were an underdog at home. Uh, early on, they said James Harden's not going to play. He suits up. He does play. They fell behind big time early, and then they come storming back to win the game 114-108. Kevin Durant, 49 points. He was on fire, unconscious. 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. KD did it all, and there you know, was this talk about, okay, no Kyrie Irving, now no James Harden. How is Kevin Durant going to do this? He's got to shoulder everything. And uh, even though Harden was back last night, when it was time for the Nets to come back, it definitely was KD, and he showed us why he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA right now. Well, I think individually, I, you know, if you watch Kevin Durant when he's healthy, I mean, I don't think there's any argument there. Uh, with that assessment of Kevin Durant, I mean, his his career speaks for itself, right? I don't think there was any jeopardy whether or not he had 49 points last night or not. You know, Kevin Durant is, you know, he is without question one of the best offensive players, you know, to play. And there's been some amazing, amazing players, but he's a very unique talent in the way he plays, the way he approaches the game. But more importantly, he's been able to perform at a very high level. So, um, you know, what's amazing is is you add his his injury history, except, you know, we talked about recently with coming off an Achilles, for him to be able to put together a game like this, you know, coming off of the injury that he sustained just, what, a year ago so, or, 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 or so, that to me is more amazing than the 49 points. Like, you're, you're talking about a guy who's coming off a significant injury hasn't really played an excessive amount of games during the course of the regular season. On top of that, those three guys, have they've only played like eight games together. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, Kyrie goes out, and then two days later, this guy puts together a game like that. Now, that to me is pretty amazing because, you, you know, you're dealing with the body, injuries, mentally, where is he at physically? I mean, and he put in 48 minutes, by the way, okay? So the more amazing thing to me was that he's in that type of conditioning. Now, the 53 years of age and experience says, I wonder how this guy's going to feel tomorrow night. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. You know? Yeah. Because, you know, the adrenaline was pumping. The shots were going down. He was making some amazing plays. But then – like, I want to know how is he going to feel tomorrow night once that game starts. All right? That's what I'm really concerned about. And then, by the way, they got to turn around again. If they lose that game, they got to turn back again and go back and, and, and find a way to win another game to close off this series. So, you know, there's a lot of basketball to be played. And, uh, you know, I always like to say, and I always live by this mantra, you never trust happiness in, in, a, in a playoff series because things can turn in a hurry. And you can certainly – you know, I think the Brooklyn Nets understand that because they had an opportunity to go up 3-0, and then suddenly you look around, that series was 2-2 going back into game five. Mm-hmm. So you never trust happiness. I think it was a great game for Brooklyn. Kevin Durant was sensational in all of the adjectives and all of the – he deserves everything that was said. But I think the goal here is to close off the series. And, let's and they're going to have to find a way to win another game. And let's factor in the travel as well, too. You talk about how, how's Durant going to feel after the, the 48 minutes and the 49 points, and, and now they you know on a plane traveling to Milwaukee and, and, and with a quick turnaround. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a lot to overcome. But give those guys credit. I mean, it was a terrific game, um, a lot of ups and downs, the, the storylines. And Kevin Durant, without question, was the hero of the game. He was fabulous. He put up amazing numbers. And uh, But you know what? I'm sure Milwaukee feels good about it. I'm sure Milwaukee, if you ask them, they felt they should have won that game. So, again, I think this probably goes seven, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I I, I think they've shown that they can win at home. 
And it's going to take another amazing effort like we just saw here in Game 5, I think, for Brooklyn to close this out. And we all know that a closeout game is probably the toughest game of any series. When it comes to Kevin Durant, and I know some people don't like to compare eras and that sort of stuff, but where do you see him fitting in? He's played in an era, obviously, with LeBron James. Steph Curry was winning championships in Golden State. Now, he actually went there and and won some, too, and was actually the MVP of some of those series or whatever. But where does he fit? Because he does have that size. He can shoot. He can do so many different things. But uh, I'm not sure that everybody really knows how good he really is or appreciates him because some of the other names maybe get a little bit more pub. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, in this area, you talk about publicity and all those things. But look, you know, some of those players, their game translates in any era. Kevin Durant, I don't care if he would have played in 1946, 1970, if he would have played in the 80s era where they talk about it was physical in, in that era. Kevin Durant would have been a great scorer then, a great player then, just like he's a great player now. I think, in, if anything, today's era probably benefits him probably more so because he would have been difficult to guard in that era, right, where where you could touch guys and hand check and all those things. But I think he's probably even more efficient and prolific as a player now because you can't do that. I mean, you're talking about a seven-footer who can put it on the floor, shoots lights out. I mean, this guy, when you say a professional scorer, okay, Kevin Durant is going to come to mind. That That young man, say what you want. I don't know who's the greatest, and I don't know who's this, but I do know Kevin Durant can score that basketball. Yeah, okay, and he has a, he has an amazing gift, and that's one thing that he can do. And I don't care what era it is, because I don't get into that. You know, guy can play in this area, can't play. No, if you can play, you can play. You'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is a seven footer, and mm-hmm. I don't see anybody in any era being able to defend that young man and stopping him in any era. I don't care how you size it up. Now, would it have been a little tougher maybe in that era because you can body him up and do Yeah, probably. But at the end, 30 points is 30 points. He would have figured it out. All right. Looking forward to game number six in Milwaukee. Tomorrow, the Bucks a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Nets. And like uh, BJ said, you know, the closeout game, definitely the toughest. And that's what Brooklyn has to face on the road. Tonight, we got a couple game fives, man. Atlanta and Philadelphia. And then we've also got the Clippers in Utah. Let's start with this Clippers-Utah game. News coming out today, Kawhi Leonard out. He's got a knee sprain. BJ, for me, this is a huge game changer. Could be a series changer, maybe even a series eliminator, because they're not even sure you know, you know, when Kawhi Leonard is going to be able to come back here. But we know the Clippers have been phenomenal, but let's be honest. I mean, they have been phenomenal because of him, because of his leadership, because of his scoring, what he can do defensively. And now they've got to go you know, into Utah and we figured Utah was going to you know, come back with a, with a nice performance, but we really haven't seen Utah been, be real competitive in the last two games in L.A. Okay, well, when you say a game changer, that, that, that changes the whole series. Now, yep. it's important for the Utah Jazz to not have a letdown. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Now, take care of business. You know, it's, it's, it's already going to be a hostile environment up there in Utah. We all know whether Kawhi was healthy or not. That's going to be very tough. They are, they are terrific at home. Now you're talking about on paper that, you know, you're saying we have, every, we, we have every indication that Utah should win this game. But things happen, and I think it's important for Utah to be guarded, to understand that, you know, this is a different team. they got to prepare different. they got to change their game plan. they got a game plan different now, how they're going to guard players. But more importantly, they have to come out and establish and not let uh, the Clippers hang around because anything can happen in a game. And, again, injuries happen. So you want to make sure that when you have an opportunity to close, you close and you try to finish it out. So here's an opportunity for Utah to take advantage of a situation and really win this game and get closer to finishing out this series. All right, B.J. Armstrong joins us talking NBA playoffs. The other game tonight, Atlanta against Philadelphia. 
This has been a little bit of a strange series, a little bit unpredictable as well, too. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, they are back at home tonight. I think a lot of people are expecting them to, to take care of business tonight because they really had game number four in Atlanta, and Ben Simmons let him down, a couple other people let him down, and we heard Doc Rivers use this. He goes, hey, we got a little bit too concerned about hero ball. He was disgusted, so therefore you think that Philadelphia is going to respond. But when you look at this personnel, I mean, it's not like you have – this great veteran leadership, you know, with the Sixers team, it's, it's still, you know, appears to be pretty young. How do you view the Sixers in Atlanta tonight? Well, you know, game five is a pivotal game, guys. And normally who wins game five more than likely wins the series. You know, this Atlanta Hawks team, I'm concerned with them for one reason. They've already won up there in Philadelphia already in game one. So they are confident, not because they have the confidence to do it. They've already done it. So they know what it takes, and they, have, they know they have the team to do it. And they shoot well. And when you shoot well and you can play downhill like they've shown the ability to do, anything is possible. So I'm a little concerned for Philly. I thought Philly had an opportunity to really take hold of this, this uh, series in game four. I thought they were going to win that game. And give Atlanta credit. They, they, they hung in there, and they, grind, they had the ability to grind out a game. So, you know, I'm looking for Philadelphia to really come in and, you know, they gotta, they got to they gotta protect home court. So if, if Philly is playing to their ability, you know, there's really no answer for, jo- for Joel Embiid. There's really no answer on both sides of the court. I mean, he is as dominant of a player in the league right now, especially on the offensive end. And defensively, he's shown the ability to dominate when he's up for the task. So, um, but Atlanta is a, is a difficult team because they shoot the three, they shoot the ball well, they have multiple shooters: Bodanovich, Danilo, Trey Young. We know can get hot. Porter can get hot. So they have a, a lot of weapons. I think it's going to be a tough game. And uh, Philly, I think they're going to have to play at a high level to win this game because uh, I think this Atlanta Hawks team feel very confident going in there and still in a game, or still in another game, I should say. Yeah, Joel Embiid really struggled in that second half, 0 for 12 in the second half, uh, you know, which uh, led to the demise of Philadelphia in Game 4 in Atlanta. But yeah, a couple Game 5s, both series tied at two games apiece. Looking forward to that. All right, my man, we appreciate it as always. We will look forward to talking with you hopefully next week as well, too. So be good. And, uh, All right, I'll be there. And uh, hey, keep that music coming, my friend. I really appreciate it. The, the music's here. I mean, we got the music on the intro. We got the music on the outro. Let's give BJ his, his outro. There it is. And we'll, we'll let you take us out. How's that, my man? Go ahead. You know, you're a media guy. Bust, hey, a, hey, hey. bust a move. Hey, one nation under a groove. <laughs> and people, when you are in water, just make waves. And we'll see you next week, my friend. He's talking about a little knee deep. What is he talking about? Making waves in the water. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> All right, Bootzilla. We'll talk to you later. All right, thanks. <laughs> see, there's a there's an old school Parliament funkadelic reference. There you go. All right. All right, BJ Armstrong, the three-time champion, talking about the old arenas, talking about uh, tonight's playoff games. Good stuff. On the other side of the hour, Matthew Holt will join us. And we've got more VGK talk as well. T.C. Barn Ballpark, Frank, on the Wednesday.